We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Tonight, let's open up to 2 Samuel chapter 22. As we continue our journey through 2 Samuel, today we're going to kind of slow down and we're going to take it just one chapter because it's such an amazing chapter that I know uh, you guys are going to get a lot out of it just reading it. I, I myself won't be able to do it justice, but it's an amazing chapter where David... He kind of sits back, you know, if you guys can kind of visualize this at the at, at, towards the, the later years of his life, maybe. And he's thinking, wow, God has given me the victory over every single enemy. You know, and that's where he's coming from. Now, this isn't the end of his life. More than likely, this is before his incident with Bathsheba. But after God had given him the victory over Saul and the victory over the surrounding nations that were coming against Israel, he just kind of sat back for a moment and he said, wow, look at what God has done, you know? I mean, it's like winning the championship. You know, right now we have the hockey and, and basketball and they're fighting and, you know, you got to win, I think it's like 16 games. But when it's all said and done, you know, it's like you look back and you, and you, and you man, God's given us or whatever the victory over every single enemy. You know, they got in the way, boom, God took care of them. They got in the way, this, they want to get in the way, God took care of them. Now you take that over into your life spiritually. And that's what David was saying. And we're going to see, you know, yeah, there was a literal, you know, thing going on, but, you know, physical thing, but it's a spiritual thing as well. And that's what God wants to do in our life, you know. I, God wants to give us the victory, you know, but not everybody will experience that. And so that's why this is, chapter is kind of cool because we're going to go through it and David's going to sing a song. And I was even telling Steve, I was thinking, man, you should just sing this song one day, man. Just sing the scriptures because that must have been amazing how they sang this. And, uh, you know, when you look at that, you just think, wow. And this is something that God wants us to, to, to learn. It's a song that he's singing, but it's as he's singing this song, we, we learn from it and we glean, I glean, how I can get the victory. And we're going to see some things real, real practical. Because uh, look what we read in verse 1. It says, And then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now just in case, you know, it, it, you might be interested to know that this chapter is almost identical to Psalm 18. And so more than likely this song was written first and then, you know, I guess Psalm 18 was slightly modified for what we would consider more of corporate worship. But what we find right here is that more than likely David wrote this after God made his covenant with him in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and gave him victories. We read that in 2 Samuel chapter 8 and 2 Samuel chapter 10 and after he had given him the victory over Saul. Now something that might be interesting to you is the fact that it says God had given, delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now, there are those who believe the reason there's a distinction there is because David never really considered Saul his enemy. Even though, you know, it looked pretty crazy the way that Saul chased him down for 10 years. 
Here we see David's heart. He always saw him as God's anointed. But anyways, in looking at this, I, I know you and I, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, and the enemy's trying to take you down. He's trying to creep into your house, ruin your marriage, come between you and your your wife, you and your husband, you and your kids. I mean, there's callings on your life. There's a destiny for your life. He doesn't want you to finish. He doesn't want you to finish strong. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to go to church. I mean, he just wants to bring you into bondage, let you get caught up in the things of this life. I mean, there's just so many ways the enemy wants to defeat us. And so I think David is at this point where he's just thinking, wow, look at what God has done. He's given me the victory over all my enemies. We've got a lot of enemies, huh? I mean, spiritually speaking, you're probably thinking of your boss right now, okay? I'm not talking about your boss, okay? Because <laughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against demons, against liars, against ourselves, against this world, right? And so, we know, when we take it now, we say, Lord, give me the victory over my enemies. And as we go through this, David writes his song, and we're going to just get some things out of it. The first thing I want to share with you guys is, number one, get, get personal, or maybe even better, let me put it this way, get possessive with God. Get possessive with God. Now, when you get possessive with people, it's a little different. I'm a little possessive with my wife to be honest with you. You know, her name is Shelly, but I actually call her Mia, and it means mine, right? You're mine. <laughs> and in one sense, God gave her to me, but I got to be careful. I'm not overly possessive. But, you know, with God, we can get possessive, and I think that's very important for us. We, we can't have a relationship that says, well, he's his God or, or your God or her God. We really have to have this, this heart that says, he's my God. He's my God. That's what David says. Look, it says in verse 2, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. You see, we can get possessive with God, and David claims God as his own. You know, there's no confusion, there's no doubt as to who the Lord is. The Lord is mine. <laughs> You know, and I think it's important for us to really have that understanding. And I know we don't feel worthy. I understand, you guys. Maybe you had a rough day. Maybe you've had a rough life. Man, maybe you've done things that, man, you are so ashamed of. You know, and to, for you to say he's my God and to really make it personal like that, it can be tough. But that's the way he has revealed himself to us. You know, when he came down and revealed himself to Moses and explained to Moses who he was, and, you know, this is what you're going to say to the children of Israel. He said, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I'll rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with your great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Exodus 6, 6-7. through 7. 
That's the way God revealed himself to us. And I know you're like, wow, man, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's any, like, you know, it's more generic. No, it's very, very personal. He's, he's my God, if you're a Christian. You know, not like Jacob in the beginning, you know, when he spoke to his father Isaac, and Isaac said, hey, how'd you get the, the food so quick? He said, the Lord, your God gave it to me. Some people have that type of relationship. Well, he's his God. He's Billy Graham's God. He's Chuck Smith's God. He's, you know, whoever it is that you, you know, Manny, the pastor, the, the, the spiritually elite people. No, when you give your life to Christ, when you become a Christian, he's your God. And you can say that just as much as, as Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon or John Wesley or anyone in church history. He is your God. And, and you really have to have that in your heart. Notice the way he's described as my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. I mean, these are David's journeys in the, you know, caves of Adullam. And man, when the enemy was after him, he was able to hide in the shadow of God's wings and the rocks and fortresses. And when, when you feel like you don't have the strength, there he is right there, the God of my strength. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. You know, sin has been messing with me. But sin has been messing with me. But you know what? I'm no match for sin and I'm no match for Satan, but they're no match for you. And so I choose to trust in you. And God, I know you're going to give me strength, right? I mean, the horn of my salvation, the horn in the Bible, it speaks of that power, right? My stronghold, my refuge, my Savior. And God saves you. He's your Savior. He saves you. We're going to see the enemy wants to kill you physically, eternally. God saves you. He saves you from the power of sin. And he saves you from the penalty of sin. He saves you from hell. And he saves you from hell on earth. He's, he's my Savior. From the beginning to the end, he's our God. He's, he's my God. Something considered to be a highlight in heaven is over in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And so you want to have victory over the enemies? How about victory over all your enemies? Tell you what, you need to get real personal with God. You need to get real possessive with God. Even though you, you feel unworthy, don't you know that when he died for you on the cross, that he washed away all your sins? Don't you know that when he looks at you in Christ, he sees you perfectly white as snow? So you can say that God is your God. I was talking about this with my family on the way over here today, and I was thinking, how sad that today, like in texting language, you know, they, they have the OMG, you know, oh my God. And it's like, you know, it doesn't even, it's almost as a profanity to me. I mean, why would you just like react, you know, without even thinking what you're saying? You know, when I was thinking about this, and I thought, wow, but in, in a different way, with, with substance to it, oh my God. Lord, you're mine. And it just meant, it meant so much more. You know, David here has a victory because he knows who his God is. 
And, and, and as a result of him being able to get possessive with God, second point is this, he was able to spend time in prayer with God. Because look what we read again in verse 4, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my cry from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. See, if we want to have victory over all our enemies, we really got to get possessive with God. And then secondly, we need to spend time in prayer to God. How is your prayer life? You know, it's one of the most important things the, more, the most important elements of growing and, and being able to, to be a godly man, a godly woman in a practical sense, to have victory over the enemy, you know. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you've hit your head against the wall a thousand times and you keep failing and failing and failing, maybe as a husband, maybe as a wife, whatever the case may be, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's pornography, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, drugs or alcohol, and, you know, I hope you're not cool with any of those things. Don't be content because those things will, they'll take you way down, way down. But, you know, the victory, I think, is just getting possessive with God and then, you know, really cultivating a very strong prayer life with God and to where you cry out. You cry out that whatever the situation is that you're, you're, you're facing and it has been, been slamming you. Can you honestly say that you have lifted that up to prayer to God? Can you honestly say that I have been praying wholeheartedly, laying hold of his promises by faith for my child, for my loved one, whatever it is? And, you know, I'm not saying that in any way to condemn you. I'm saying that, man, just to, just to hopefully bless you to know that, you know, I'm telling you, God hears our cries. And he really does. David knew exactly what to do when his enemies came against him. There in verse 4, I will call upon the Lord. He knew that. After all, God had proven himself to David in verse 7. Notice again in verse 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard. <laughs> He heard, man. He heard my voice from his temple. And my cry entered his ears. See? And that's why it's important to pray and pray specifically. I, I want to encourage you to pray real specifically. You know, and I don't know. I don't want to go overstep my boundaries. But sometimes I think we're really too generic in our prayers. And sometimes I think this. I really believe that part of having a good prayer life is knowing what to pray. And that takes time. When you have someone in front of you or someone that God's laid on your heart, how do you pray for them? I think God will show you how to pray for them specifically. And once he reveals that to you, and that takes time on your knees, on your face, but once he reveals you how he wants you to pray for them, then you pray for them specifically. And God, it's so amazing. You know, he, he answers 
those prayers. And you're like, wow, look at what God has done. And then when God answers your prayers, then what does that do to your prayer life? It, oh, it makes, it makes, you're like, wow, this works. God's alive. God hears me. Even though I live in, you know, Almani or West Covina or whatever it is, wherever you live, Covina, Bomb Park, God hears you. And it changes your prayer life. David knew that, verse 7. He heard when I cried. Imagine you're all alone and, you know, you're walking down a dangerous road and it's nighttime. And, and, and you just know something's not right because you see a group of guys coming towards you with that look in their eyes. And so you panic and you're paralyzed. You can't move any part of your body, including your tongue, your mouth, or your lips. And so at your funeral, someone asks, why did she die? Why did she die? And imagine if the practical answer to that question was, why, why did she die? Well, it was because she didn't cry. She didn't cry out because if she would have cried out, there was these big, buff, solid, strong men right around the corner who would have come to her rescue and they were to, ready to fight and they were right there around the corner. And all she had to do was cry. But she didn't cry. That's why she died. Well, I think there's a lot of situations, there's a lot of things, a lot of people that that's, that's why they're dying. That's why things are dying because they're not praying. They're not crying out to God. And that's the picture of prayer. No matter who the enemy is, I don't care what you're facing. It does not matter what you're facing. If God is for us, who can be against us? God will defeat our enemies and he will prevail if only we cry. Remember when the children of Israel, they were in bondage in Egypt 400 years? It's a long time. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. See, and that's why we have to cry. We have to pray. You know, turn off the television sometimes, you know. I mean, just, I don't want to get legalistic or anything, but man, I think we waste a lot of time. Pray. Start praying. Praying like you believe. You know, a friend of mine, he has a funny saying. He says, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Have you ever heard that? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. You guys are like, that's not right. Well, it's just a funny saying he has. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? <laughs> but tonight, can I say, if you're not crying, you're not trying. If you're not praying, then you're just playing with your enemies whose agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy, according to John chapter 10, verse 10. You see, the enemy is, he has an agenda. He will try to kill you spiritually. And at the same time, if you're making a difference spiritually, the enemy will also try to kill you physically. The enemy tried to kill David numerous times. And that's why, you know, David said to Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3, Truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a, a step between me and death. I mean, David was there all the time. The enemy was always trying to take his life. 
As a matter of fact, uh, keep your marker here. There's a neat psalm over in Psalm 116. And it just talks about this, how the Lord delivers us from death. In verse 1, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. I just love those verses. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Yes, the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and notice he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. You see, and that's what God wants to do, you guys. The Lord says, hey, I want to give you the victory, not just over that enemy or, you know, a few, a handful I want to give you the victory over all your enemies. This is how you do it. Number one, get real possessive with God, my God, my shield, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my savior. And then, and then make sure you get in prayer to the Lord. Wow, someone's up there, man. Is that angels? Or, okay, all right. They're angels. <laughs> Notice what happened back in uh, Psalm 22. Look at how the Lord answers. I love this. It says in verse 8, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Now, like I said, there's a, there's a lot here in this psalm. But doesn't that sound pretty, like, crazy, you know? Doesn't that sound pretty intense? And it all happened as a result of David praying. I mean, earthquakes, lightning, God, you know, riding the wings of the wind, and, you know, the clouds, and just the earth and the foundations uncovered, and just all these things as a result of David praying. You know, we're not a match for the enemy. We desperately need God's delivery. God's response to David's prayer was all-powerful and very, very personal. God was angry with David's enemies and came very close to help him. You know, and I, and I just 
you know, uh, there's so much going on, you know. You know, I, I know the Lord is, is, is angry. Uh, Psalm 711 says God is a just judge and he's angry with the wicked every single day. He loves them. He wants to save them. He sees even beyond them, though. He sees the spiritual entities that are behind it. And when God sees some of these injustices that are going on, I mean, I think of these three young girls that were kidnapped and they were chained in their rooms for 10 years. I mean, let me tell you something, man. The things that are going on in this world, God's angry. And one day, and I know it's hard to live through it and to endure, and that's why we're always praying, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But one day, every wrong will be made right. Justice will be served for individuals and as, as well as, as for nations. But when David prayed, you know, God, God heard, God came, God was angry. He descended to him. All these things we see are, are pretty amazing. You know, you don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can. If you're good at your Bible. No, Revelation chapter 8. Let me see who's good. No, I'm just joking. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And so... You know, can you visualize prayer like that? You know, it just, you know, your prayers, think about that. They ascend up into heaven. You get that picture. God hears them. They, 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 they ascend into his nostrils, right? So when you pray, that's what happens, right? But look what happens. It says next in verse 5, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Well, what's that all about? <laughs> it's about answered prayer. It's about, you know, not just, oh, not just him. He's not, it's not just that. That guy's getting involved now. Oh, no, I'm excited. You know, the, the big gun guy, you know, the president and the company's getting involved now or, or the pastor of whatever, you know, the, no, God's getting involved now. God is. Earthquakes, lightnings, thunders, things are just happening now. Why? Because you prayed. Because you prayed. And that's what happened. That's how we get the victory over the enemy. No, no offense, man, but if you got a weak prayer life, then you're a weak Christian. God loves you, and His grace is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's almost like he's just saying, it's up to you, man. If you want to be wimpy and limpy through life, that's fine. Because I know you think other things are more important than getting on your face and praying. That's fine. You're, you know, you're getting along just fine. You think you are. But, but maybe you're not. God just wants to give us so much more. 
That's why Jesus would pray. He would wake up before the sun and he'd go and he'd just get on his face and he'd pray. Sometimes he'd pray all night long. As his custom was, he would go out and he would pray. You know, and I know, and, and this is something I want to share with you guys as a pastor, I need to pray even more. So I don't want to give you like all my convictions. Thank you for letting me pray. You know, Acts chapter 6, it says that they had these other guys that helped out and did other things so that they can devote themselves continually to the Word of God in prayer. I want to thank you for letting me pray. And I better pray. But, you know, you've got to pray too. Wake up early. Pray with your wife. Pray with your family. You know, pray, seriously, pray all day long. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I'll send an email and, you know, I, like I've done this before, Lord, and I send this, this email to this guy over there and he's a top gun and he never gets back to me. But, Lord, this time I really need him to get back to me. Lord, please go before me on this. And you just pray about everything. What ends up happening? Boom, he, he gets back to me. And I don't forget. I'm like, Lord, thank you for hearing my prayer. Just the Lord gets involved. And there's so much here, the way that, you know, he just speaks and, and things happen and God comes close. Maybe it's a picture of Jesus. Some even see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit here. It's amazing to me just how, how God gets involved in our lives. God descended to David. You know, God delivered him. We know like with David... You guys remember, we studied how he was on the run for 10 years, pursued by Saul and his army. And When you read the whole story, you find that Saul actually tried to kill David on five separate occasions. After he became king, David then waged war against the Philistines and the Ammonites, the Syrians, the Moabites, the Edomites, the Termites, all of them, right? <laughs> and just God enabled him and God gave him the victory over all of them. And that's what we want. You know, I remember when I went uh, whitewater rafting, we were having an awesome time. It was a hot day, and it felt so good to get a little wet. Have any, how many of you here have gone whitewater rafting? Just out of curiosity. Cool. It's really fun. You know, as you float down the river, you know, and you're getting cold, and you're, you know, doing all those things, the water splashes over your body. But you need to be careful and make sure you stay inside the raft. You know, because you might be in the raft and you're looking out into the river and you're thinking, well, the waters aren't that bad. They're not that rapid. This isn't roaring rapids today. But I'll tell you what, when I fell out of the raft, I was tossed to and fro like a rag doll. And once I got caught up in the rapids, I knew there's no way I'm going to be able to swim my way out of this. I needed to be rescued, right? And that's exactly what God did for David. That's what happened to me. Here David says the same thing about him and God in the spiritual roaring rapids. Look at verse uh, 17. He sent from above. He drew me. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. 
They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Here David says, man, the Lord, you know, he, he sent from above. They, they were too strong for me. And, you know, and you might think you're strong, you know, but, but you're not. You're not. Not for a single temptation. Apart from the Lord, you're not. You're not. It's too strong for us. You know, sometimes, we you know, when I, my kids and I will get into it. And, you know, I'm, I love them. I love them. I think they love me. But, <laughs> tell you what, once certain things happen, when certain bus, but, buttons are pushed, it's too strong for me. So I know that i got to go into these things with my armor on. I know I have to go into these things with, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the spirit, they're too strong for us. And so you can visualize someone, they're in the washing machine. You guys ever been in that, in the, in the beach? Remember those days when you used to go into the water? I don't know if anybody goes in the water anymore, but you know, you get all tumbled. I mean, it's, uh, God drew you out though. Otherwise you would have drowned in there, right? He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. The NIV says deep waters. NET says surging waters. See, God will do that. But we got to pray. So how can I get victory over all my enemies, Lord? Well, number one, you have to get real possessive with God. He's my God. Number two, you got to get in prayer to God. Make sure you get on your knees, right? Believe in him, man. God's the one who's going to change the day, right? And then number three, you have to do your best to walk in purity before God. Because again, look at verse 20. At the end of verse 20, He delivered me because He delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all His judgments were before me. And as for His statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before Him and I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people. But your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. possessiveness, prayer, purity. You know, God rewarded David's obedience. Not that David was perfect, because no one's perfect, right? But generally speaking, David was on track. David was proper. David had a heart that was inclined towards God. David was faithful to the Lord, Warren Risby said, and the Lord was faithful to him. David was upright. He was single-hearted. When it came to serving God, he wasn't sinless, no matter woman on earth is, but he was blameless in his motives and loyal to the Lord. And you guys, I don't want to you know, say that 
you know, God can't bless you if you have a bad day. But I will say this, that if, if you're here tonight and you're like, you know what, Lord, I don't want to sin. And if there's any areas of my life that are displeasing to you, God, take it out. I don't want it, Lord. I want to be an obedient man, an obedient woman. If that's your heart, God's going to bless you. You know, sometimes I think we get the misconception that just because we're Christians, we're going to experience all the blessings and rewards that God has for us. And sometimes I even get the hunch that Christians think it matters not whether or not they obey God, that God in His grace is obligated to bless us no matter how we live. And and let me just say this, be careful with that. Don't get me wrong, God can bless you if you mess up. But that shouldn't then result with us thinking that that's his preferred pattern. You know what I mean? Like, let me give you an example. I remember one time I was right in the middle of being the old Manny. Have you ever been there? The old Manny. And I was having a bad day. And then I got an unexpected phone call. And I was asked to speak somewhere and I was just so so blessed I hung up the phone and then it came back to me wait a minute you're 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 being the old man right now (laughs) and you're having like a bad you know day a bad moment and and God blessed you he God gave you this opportunity now to share his word and you know I remember hanging up that phone and thinking well God this is just grace and and let me tell you something it is, and I am so unworthy. And even if I have a do good day, that's God's grace, man. Even that is, right? But here's the thing. If you do the math and consider then the aftermath, I was being the old manny, having a bad day, and then I got blessed. So I should just continue to be the old manny and have a bad day, and God will bless. <laughs> is that how it works? No. That's not how it works. The only obligation God has to the disobedient is salvation if they're in Christ and discipline. He'll spank you. He'll give you a thrangaso, man, and it will hurt, right? But I tell you what, he has obligated himself to bless the obedient, to reward those who are not only positionally but practically righteous. And he does throw so through intervention, And he blesses the obedient through legislation. Because built into the laws of the Lord are blessings for the obedient. Like if you really love your wife as Christ loved the church, and you give yourself for her, you know, that's the law of the Lord. It's legislation of God. You will reap the benefits of your obedience. Now, I know every wife's different and every husband's different. I don't want to overgeneralize things. But it's just the way it works. You start giving to God what belongs to God. What that does is it shows you're a good steward. It shows you have your priorities order, and he will bless your finances. I mean, you know, it's, it's simple, you know. You take care of your body. You're a good steward with your body. You know, if you're, all you eat is Doritos, you're in big trouble, Right? <laughs> You start eating some good food, you will reap the benefits of your your obedience. That's the way it is. And, and David, right here, he's just saying, you know, 
God's my God, getting possessive. I pray, I cried out to God, I trust in Him. And 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 and, and the Lord delivered me because you know what? I not that David was being boastful, but David was saying, Lord, you know my heart. I, I, I'm trying to do the right thing. Psalm 1911, is, is speaking of the word of God, it says the laws of the Lord, speaking of these laws, says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Keeping them, there's great reward. John 13, 17, Jesus said, If you know these things, cool. Blessed are you if you do them. So you live a life of obedience. God's going to bless you. See, David, in a general sense, was a man after God's own heart, Acts 13, 22. He had clean hands. He kept the ways of the Lord. He kept himself from iniquity. He didn't depart. He was merciful, blameless. And there was even a certain element of purity about him. So God rewarded him. Even though it didn't look like it for a while there. Lord, it's been 10 years. God said, don't worry, it's right around the corner. Ten years of integrity, ten years of character, ten years of trust, ten years of praise, ten years of prayer. It does pay. It does. And that's what David says right here. He said, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Of course, we know that's an imputed righteousness and an imparted righteousness. And as a result of being obedient, God gave him the victory. How many of you here remember this guy named Roger Staubach? Any of you here? I want to see who's old. Okay, we got one, two, three, four. No, I'm just joking. So Roger Staubach was a, a, a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and he took them to the Super Bowl in 1971. And, and, and according to this article, it says he admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't call his own signals, was a source of trial for him. He said that their coach sent in every single play. And so, you know, you're a quarterback and you're thinking, you know, it may be the first year or the second year, but, you know, come on, give me a break. You know, I'm a pretty good quarterback. You mean to tell me you're not going to let me call any plays? Every single play? And that's the way it was. Tom Landry was a, a good coach, but that was his coaching philosophy. He told Roger when to pass, when to run. And even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football, pride said, well, I should be able to run my own team. And that can happen to us. We're thinking, you know what, I should be able to do my own thing. God, you want to call every single play? Yeah. And I've learned this every single play, every single day, every single thought, every single word, every single dollar, every single decision, every single minute, every single moment. God, he wants to call the plays. And so... Roger Staubach later said, well, I faced the issue with obedience. And once I learned the coach, we won. We won. And that's the way it is for us too. 
You see, the first duty for every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. That's the first one. Who, who calls the shots in your life? If it's God, I tell you what, you're like, cool, God. Whatever you say, I'll obey. He'll bless you. He'll deliver you. You see? God will reward the righteous, and he will punish the unrighteous. You see, God gives the victory to the obedient. And, I, and that's my prayer, you guys. We'll have victory. We'll have victory in our life. And I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your struggle is. But whatever it is, tell you what, you take these things to heart, man, God's going to bless. And, and so God's in control. Does that mean we put it in cruise control? How many of you have cruise control? I just want to see. I'm jealous. Uh, one time I had a, a rental car and it had cruise control. I'm all, man, this is so cool. I'm sorry. Let me get back to the study here. Okay. Um, God's in control. Doesn't mean you put it in cruise control, though, because look what we read next in verse 29. It says, For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He, notice that, he is a shield to all who trust in him. Do you trust the Lord tonight? Whatever your situation is, do you trust him? I pray that you would trust him. He loves you. And he's in control. Trust him, right? He is a shield to those who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. See, it says that God's way is perfect in verse 31. So he makes my way perfect. I'm not perfect, but I tell you what, when I follow God, my way is perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. And you might think that's easy, you know, because if you think that bowing, bending a bow of bronze is easy, it means you probably never shot a bow and arrow, huh? Those of you guys who have, it's hard. I remember, remember Ray, big Ray, buff Ray? He brought his bow out. We're like, ah, I can't do this, man. <laughs> Let me go read my Bible. You see, it takes strength, right? <laughs> and so, you know, he says, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, your gentleness. I love that. God is so gentle with us, has made me great. You enlarge my path under my feet so my Feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. And we'll talk more about the way that... I mean, if you can just see that in your heart, that all these demons, how they come against you, and by God's grace, you defeat them. They, you kill them. You don't just wound them. You don't just knock them down. They are destroyed by your obedience. But here is a real practical thing, and, and, I, and, I, and I put it this way, that we also have to be very practical with God. 
David still had to fight. Right? I mean, he still had to fight. He still had to defend himself at times, and he still had to get offensive at times. He had to fight. You know, we do our part. God does his. We're in the story, but God gets the glory. And what I mean by that is we don't just sit back and do nothing. Now I'll pray, pray. Yeah, pray. Pray, 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 pray. But then what? And here we see David here. Man, he was a soldier running, leaping walls. You guys remember when you used to do that? Leap walls when you're running away from somebody, man. Maybe you're running after somebody. I mean, David right here, skilled with the bow, skilled with the sling. We know he was very skilled at what he did. And we have to do that. You know, and that just balances out in every every element, like the music ministry, for example. You know, they're they're worshiping and they know they're called and God's anointed them and gifted them, but does that mean that they don't practice? No, they still do their part, right? They still do that. They pray, God gives them the victory. See, it's a very practical thing. God not only intervened in ways that were obviously miraculous, but he also gets the glory for making David the warrior that he was. God can work in any realm, transforming the physical works into spiritual works. And so we have many things that God has given to us. The Bible says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So we do our part. We get that horse ready. And whatever it is, I don't know what your part is. You know, sometimes when you're praying for someone to get saved, Lord, I pray for my nephew's salvation. God, I'm just crying out to you to break that addiction that crystal meth has all over his life. And you're praying for him. And then there's times where God says, okay, now go get him. You know, you go pick him up and you take him out for lunch or you send him a card or not always, but see... God, we do our part, and, and then, you know, God does, does his part. We know in the battle, God helped David run fast and hard. God lit things up in the dark. God helped David jump over walls. God was his strength. God gave him footing. God taught and trained his very hands for war. And not only did God give David the ability to knock his enemies down and wound them, David was able to conquer and kill them. So they wouldn't rise again against the name of the Lord during the time of David. You know, that one thing, and I know we got to wrap it up here, but we're living in a time where I think the enemies have risen against the church. And they have their agendas, right? And they're huge. They're huge enemies. It could be the, the media. It could be, you know, some atheist who's getting all the attention. It could be, you know, you know, traditional marriage or, or whatever it is. We've got all these unsaved, ungodly, wicked politicians in office. I mean, you name it. We've got, you know, things even creeping into the church and the emerging church that's not really the church. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. We've got all these things. They're our enemies. They're like the Philistines, the Edomites, the Moabites. And God wants us as a church to fight. There's a big battle. There's individual battles. And I'm telling you what, church, we need to rise up. And we need to realize that. And I don't, I don't know, you know how it's all going to end up. But I tell you what, if you believe and you believe and you believe and you believe and you really believe and you really pray and you really fast and we get serious with God, 
maybe we can begin to see these enemies fall. I don't know. Maybe that's why America won't be in church prophecy. Maybe that's why, because they all got raptured, you know? I don't know. But I tell you what, in looking at this right here, I'm thinking, Lord, I want to fight harder than I've ever fought in a very practical way, Lord. I will pray and I will obey. I will do everything you want me to do. We still have to fight. Nehemiah 4.14 says, fight for your families. Isaiah 6.12, fight the good fight. I mean, 1 Timothy 6.12. 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul in the end said, I fought the good fight. One of my friends here, he used to always get in fights before he was a Christian. Always. He would just want to go out and get in fights. Any of you guys like that? Okay, well, he shouldn't do that anymore now as a Christian in the physical realm. But I tell you what, don't lose that heart in the spiritual realm. Let's fight. Let's fight. Pray, 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 pray. Ask God what to pray for. Then pray, 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 pray. And then ask God if he wants you to somehow be part of the answer. And do something. Work hard. Fight hard. Try hard. But don't do anything without prayer. And look what happens to our enemies. It says in verse 42, they looked but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. That's probably speaking of Saul, who when he prayed, God didn't answer him. And then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. You have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. The people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. You know, wherever it is that God has you to be, I mean, you know, more than likely you're not going to be a king like David was a king over Israel, and even over other nations. But wherever you end up, wherever you end up because God puts you there, I mean, it's almost like you're gonna, you pinch yourself. You're like, man, Lord, I, I can't believe what you've done in my life. I can't believe the way that, Lord, in you, my enemies have no power over me. I can't believe, you know, when I got saved, August 20th, 1989, I just, sometimes this is so hard to believe that I've never, I've never gotten, I've never drank a drop of alcohol again. I didn't have sex until I got married. You know, waited years. I can't believe I didn't do drugs again. I can't believe that I even stopped, you know, and you just go on and on. You're like, wow, Lord. It's just so amazing what you've done. And then you would actually even use my life. You would actually use my life? And you just sit back and you're just like, 
You're so blown away at his grace. And, you know, I don't know. Other than Steve and maybe a couple of others of you here, what would it take to make you sing? You know, to really sing. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, wow, Lord, you know, David sang this whole thing. This is something he sang, and he says it right there, I sang. And I just know, I just know this, it's got to be the Lord. It's got to be a deep spiritual work that God does in your life to bring you to that place of worship where you worship God. And I, you can't fake it. You, you can try. You can maybe, you know, okay, well, I'm going to sing louder tonight. No. It just happens when you really see what ends up happening, man. The Lord has done. But there in verse 50, it, it talks about how the Lord shows mercy to his anointed and to David and his descendants forever. You know, when you read through the Bible and you read about all these kings, it's such a cool thing to read how these his descendants were blessed because of him. In reading through Chronicles and Kings, you see the impact that David had on his ancestors, on his descendants, and how God blessed them because of David. You know, I think there's an element of that. I think that if we work hard today, I think our children will reap certain benefits of it, maybe even our grandchildren. You know, but ultimately, I think this points to Jesus. And David and all these things, guess who he's a picture of? Jesus. Jesus. Our Jesus has defeated every enemy. One day, he's going to come back. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to set up his throne. And he will rule in righteousness. We, we benefit because of Jesus. I pray in closing today, man, let me just share the five things really quick. That God would give you the victory. Number one, when you get possessive with him. He's my God. And I'm, I'm his favorite. I'm just joking, I won't say that. You get possessive with God. Spend time in prayer to God. Number three, do your best to walk in purity before God. Number four, be very practical with God. We got our part. We got to work, right? And then number five, remember this whole thing is a picture of God. What he's done for us, you guys, every single enemy that he has defeated, that as we come under the shadow of his wings, as we believe in him, as we love him, as we join him, then you know what? I think life will change. You know, and, and I, I know I'm very blessed that you guys would come out on a Wednesday night, I mean a Thursday night, a midweek service. And you know, that's a, a pretty good sign usually. But there's probably a few of you here tonight, you need your life to change. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need God desperately. And so I pray that tonight, um, somehow, man, there would be a step of faith taken. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626 454 
3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.